Well, I'd like to welcome everybody that's watching by YouTube, by YouTube, our live stream, or also watching by Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm going to talk about my all-time favorite message, above and beyond any other one I could ever preach. If I were only allowed to preach one message for the rest of my life, it would be the one that I'm about to teach you. Now, there are a lot of things that I love and a lot of narratives in the kingdom and a lot of doctrines that I'm super passionate about. Obviously, you know that I'm passionate about being aggressive spiritually. I'm, passive, I'm uh, passionate about being militant spiritually. I'm passionate about seeing your mind healthy. I'm passionate about prophecy and signs and wonders and miracles, hosting the presence, worship, all those things I love. But above and beyond all of those, to me, there is no greater revelation than understanding who you are in your identity as sons and daughters and who the Father is in his love for you. There is no greater revelation that you can get than understanding how much the Father loves for you, cares for you, and makes you his sons and daughters. It's identity. And I would preach this message all over the world for the rest of my life if I could only preach this one thing. Because I believe that when you get this, it will change you in how you live, how you act, how you trust. It will break fear out of your life. It'll break loneliness and isolation out of your life. It'll break you always feeling like you have to watch your back, you have to work extra hard, or being afraid of where things are going to come from. When you know who you are as a daughter or as a son, it will change you forever. And that's what I want to teach you today because it changed me. Most of you should know my story, but if you don't, I'm going to tell you a little bit of it again. When I was a child, my blood father, who's a multimillionaire in Beverly Hills, California, uh, he hooked up with my 24-year-old Greek mom. They met at a cocktail lounge. They met through some friends that were really popular and really famous, football players, lawyers, attorneys. My mom was a hairdresser. And they hooked up, and they conceived me. And my dad, my blood father, did not want to have a child at that time. He was 28 years old. He was at the peak of his career, and he had just gotten a job offer to move to Beverly Hills, California, where he's managing some really big-name bands at the time. My little Greek mother didn't want to go to Beverly Hills. It was a dysfunctional relationship. He took off and left me with my mom in Miami for her to raise me. My mom worked two jobs. She was a hairdresser by day, a cocktail waitress by night, and I, for the first five years of my life, lived at the babysitters from morning until bedtime, and I hated it. I didn't have a dad. I wasn't nourished. My mom was having to work full-time just to make ends meet, and what happened inside of me was this abandonment and neglect started to take root. I started to feel like I was very alone, and I was longing and desiring the affection and affirmation of a father. When I was five years old, my mom met a man who became my stepfather. His name's Ed Moore. He was from Kansas. He was a country guy, and he had been uh, working in Miami while he also worked in the, in the um, Virgin Islands. And so they got together, they hooked up, and he came into my life and basically rescued me with what I call the spirit of adoption. So now, instead of being stuck at the babysitter all day, he'd pick me up early and he'd spend quality time with me, and ultimately, he became a father to me. It wasn't long before we moved to Missouri, and I found myself shoveling horse manure, showing horses, and living on a ranch. I went from Miami to Missouri. And half the year, I'd spend my life in Missouri. I went to high school there. Uh, I, I went from fourth grade all through high school, and then the other half I'd spend with my mom in Miami because they didn't stay together for very long. So I never saw what normal looks like with a mother and father in a home. And because of that, I was very 
neglected. I was abandoned. I had that root inside of me. And as much as I love my father, and he taught me a lot of good, natural things like managing money and work ethic. And man, I had to do chores and I had to work really, really hard for what I had. I got rewarded for good grades. I was always rewarded if I performed well. And what happened was I had this performance mentality inside of my heart and inside of my life. And I never learned about my identity. I never learned about the Father's love, the Heavenly Father's love. We never prayed. We never talked about Jesus. We didn't go to church. God was just a foreign thing to me. And so I ultimately fell into drugs and alcohol and partying and keg parties. And it was small town Missouri where everybody slept with everybody's girlfriend and drove up and down the two-mile Main Street strip, you know, hooking up with each other. That was my high school years. Ultimately, in Miami, I met drug dealers, and I got caught up into the drug scene. Then I got caught up in the Grateful Dead scene. But finally, at some point, I'm going to show you this, there was an appointed time. Everybody say there is an appointed time. So the Israelites are in Egypt, in bondage, in slavery for 400 years, and one day... God calls a man in the wilderness by the name of Moses to go back to his people and tell Pharaoh to set my people free, let my people go. They were still in full-scale bondage to the things of this world and to the Egyptian system of slavery that they were serving. But God in his love one day came at an appointed time and set the Israelites free. And today I'm going to talk about how God did that for me and how he wants to do that for you. And so... I lived my life really as an orphan. Even though I had my stepfather, even though my mom spoiled me from a distance, I ultimately was an orphan. I didn't know who I was. Therefore, I took all these labels and all these identities, and I tried to fit in and measure up to the things of this world. But one day, on my way to a Grateful Dead concert, I got pulled over and busted for drugs and would ultimately face a third-degree felony and do a year in prison. And it was a fortunate thing. Because had I not gone to prison, somebody'd be dead, I would be dead, or I'd still be in prison for the rest of my life. God knew that was an appointed time. But I want to make something very clear to you, because you don't have to go to prison, you don't have to get busted, and you don't have to pay a price like I paid. God tried to visit me many, many, many times when I was following the Grateful Dead or living in the world. Somebody would preach to me, somebody would minister to me, somebody would come up and catch me in a parking lot somewhere and try to preach the gospel to me, and I would reject it. And today I'm going to talk to you about not rejecting God's visitation for your life because he wants to visit you right now. When you come to Rock City, prepare for a visitation, not a nice church service. We want God's power to transform us, and I don't want you to miss your visitation. Do you know some people don't feel guilty or condemned? I'm just going to say this nicely to you that didn't come to the Activate Conference, missed a visitation. So many lives were transformed and impact, and because you paid the price to be here, you got a visitation, and I'm proud of you. Now, the good news is, is what this church gets, you get, and there'll be a lot more opportunities for visitations, including today. But I'm gonna teach you what you need to know above and beyond anything else in your life. You hear me nicely? More than anything else in your life is to understand who you are as a son and a daughter, because that's what changed me. I didn't come to the Lord because I, need, I knew that I was a sinner, you know, going to hell in a hand bucket. I came to the Lord because I needed a, a father that would nourish me, value me, and love me, and I was lost. I didn't know who I was. 
and the world was not giving me the identity that I wanted, and it wasn't transforming me, and I was empty on the inside. See, what happens is, is when you're empty on the inside and you don't have the Father's love ruling inside of you, guess what you do? You look into this world to find comfort and pleasure from every place else. Drugs, alcohol, bars, the arms of another. You're never satisfied. Money, career, whatever it is. But when you become a son or a daughter, you recognize and realize that the Father cares so much for you and he's got your back. Everybody say, he's got my back. That's right. So the Lord, you know, in all the pieces of the armor of God, there's only one thing you don't have, something for your back. Because the, the Lord says, I'll be your rear guard. Which means you have to trust him where you can't see. And see, sons and orphans live differently. Orphans are always striving. They always feel alone. They never feel like they have enough. They don't know where their next fill-in-the-blank is going to come from. They're always striving to be happier. They're always striving to have something more than what they don't have. They are never rested and in content in the Father's love. See, my businesses are in God's hands. Am, am I being a good steward? Am I empowering? Am I, do I create a good culture? Do I manage my business well? Yes, but they're in God's hands. This church is in God's hands. I can't carry the weight of this church. Jesus, the government of God rests on Jesus' shoulders. Remember that. And sons and daughters understand so confidently who they are that they don't walk in fear and shame and worry and doubt. They live free. Okay? And so for me, I needed a dad. I needed a dad that I never had. The best daddy you could ever get. And once you get this revelation, the way you live, how you see, will completely shift. You'll start smiling a little bit more. That'd be a nice thing. Seriously. It's all right to be fired up. And you know what? The closer you get to him, the less bad days you have. In fact, when you're born again, you shouldn't even have bad days. Because it doesn't matter what goes on around me. The White House doesn't determine my joy. The kingdom of God doesn't determine how you live. I'm sorry, the, the kingdom of this world doesn't determine how you live. The kingdom of God does. And it's inside of you. And so you stay rested. You stay fired up. You stay consistent. You're in love because you're a son or a daughter. John chapter 1 verse 12. We'll start here and then I'm going to take you uh, to John 3, 16 and 17. John 1, 12. There's something about receiving that transforms you. Everybody first has to receive what has been given. You can't give away something until you learn to first receive. And to all those that receive and believe, he gives you the right to become or to be called the children of God. Now, to receive and believe are unique words and to have a right is a unique word. I'm gonna teach them to you. I don't know where my awesome Yeti cup went. There it is. Thank you. If I said to you, this is a, a Yeti tumbler that's camouflaged, do you believe that? Because it is. It's easy to believe in something that's very clear and obvious in front of you. There are a lot of things that you can believe in, but you don't necessarily surrender and give your life to it. I'm not giving my life to follow this Yeti tumbler. Do you understand? 
To believe is something more than just acknowledging or recognizing. To believe is to fully adhere and give yourself to it. Here's the word for you. The word is fidelity. You know what fidelity means? It means I'm fully committed. I'm fully following. I'm fully pure. I'm fully surrendered. I give my full support. It means that I'm fully giving myself to that that I'm going after. It means that there is no other lover in my life. It means there's no weird doctrine in my life. It means I'm not chasing other lovers, pornography, or any of those things. Why? Because I'm fully in love and believe the one in which I've surrendered myself to. And the result is I get reproduced as an exact replica of that which I'm following. In the natural, it'd be like me becoming like a Yeti cup. In the spirit, it's me becoming like Jesus. When you fully believe in something, you give yourself to it. You follow it and you become like it in fidelity. You're not living in infidelity. Okay? So it means that I fully believe. The next is to receive. To receive means to take hold of what's been given to you and not reject it. And not reject. Some of you have a real hard time receiving. And it's like God wants to give you something, and it's like you don't feel like you're worthy. Look, you were never worthy when Jesus came. It's not about you measuring up and being good enough or performing in your religious duty. You think if you're better religious, come to church more, read your Bible more, worship more, that God's going to accept you more? That would be a performance mentality. I used to live that way. Man, I did my church duty today. I read my Bible so I feel so good. I finally did what God wanted me to do. It was performance mentality. Now I'm not reading my Bible uh, to learn something. I'm reading my Bible to discover someone. Because I'm in love and I want to know how much he loves me. And I want to learn and grow in my relationship with him. Now I'm not, going, I'm not here because I have to be here. I'm here because I'm called and I love you. And I've got something important to teach you and tell you and give you. I'm here because I care and because I love you. And you guys come here to learn and grow, but also give away to the person next to you or in your workplace or everywhere you go in your life. You take these understandings, become them, and then go give it away. So notice, to everybody that, that receives and believes, he gives the right to become. Everybody say, I become something. And what you become is different than who you were. Now let's talk about the right. Everybody say the right. The word the right in the Greek is the word exousia. It means that I have full jurisdiction and authority. It means that I have been, been endued with power to live a life confident and bold. It means that I'm not the same as I used to be because now I'm a head, not a tail. It means that I have power, liberty, and privilege and influence. Let me rephrase it for you. To as many as received him and believed, or to many as received him, to them he gave the privilege. It's a privilege to become a child of God. The creator of all the universe, every, the chair, nothing lives or is created without his breath. The ocean, the stars, the sky, the universe, the God of all creation makes you a part of his family. It means that you now have the freedom and the influence to be a son or a daughter. Another way to say it is, 
to all those that received him, to them he gave the power to become a child of God. He gave the liberty or the freedom to become a child of God. He gave you the authority and he gave you the ability to influence everybody that's around you. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in or whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. John 3 16. This is powerful. This is a picture of God's love, that he loved you so much that he gave his most, let me just tell you, my most prized possession that I care the most about on this earth are my children. My strongest relationship is my wife right after Jesus. But my greatest love of my life, that's my prized possessions, are my children. And God gave what he loved the most for you first. God laid his life down and he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. So there's a difference between believing and perishing. There's a difference. Verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Does God want to condemn the world? But those that don't know the heartbeat of the father will see God as harsh or condemning or out to get them. Here's a telltale lie of a false belief system about God. You made your bed, now lie in it. Right? I screwed up, I deserve it, just punish me, God. But see, God didn't come to punish you and put you in crisis. He came to rescue you and save you. But the world sees God with a false narrative. But when you become a son, you see God is always fighting for you. Does he discipline us? Yes. Does he correct us? Yes. My son, if I didn't learn to correct my son, which is hard to do, if I didn't learn to correct my son, I would be a bad father and he would be an illegitimate child. God always corrects us because he loves us. That's what a good father does. But he doesn't come to condemn you, to break your spirit, to crush you. He comes to save you. Look at the next verse, or right here. He didn't come to condemn the world, but through him that the world might be saved. So God the Father in his love and desire for you to be saved sent and gave a son, not to condemn you, but to break the shame and condemnation that people are already within. God doesn't need to condemn you. You know why? If you don't know Jesus, you already feel the weight of failures and shame and condemnation, no matter how you slice it and dice it. So now Jesus comes and breaks off condemnation, and he doesn't come to put it on you. He comes to set you free. This is an accurate view of God's love. This is an accurate view of who God is. He's a father that loves, that gave to rescue and save you. Whoever believes in him would not perish. Whoever has fidelity, whoever's loyal, devoted, faithful, whoever has complete confidence in the one in whom, I've give, in whom you've given yourself to, whoever adheres to the teachings of Jesus and follows closely after him, they're the ones that will not perish. To perish means to be ruined, rendered useless, or destroyed. Let me give you a good example of perishing. Have you, any of you ever had a fruit tree in your yard? Grapefruit, oranges, limes, whatever. And you just, 
Imagine having a fruit tree and I don't care about that fruit tree. Maybe you don't like oranges or grapefruits. Whatever it is. Maybe you got too busy. Whatever. Do you know when that fruit becomes ripe and falls off the tree and then it just rots in your yard? It, over time, if not picked and eaten, it perishes. Meaning it gets spoiled, ruined, or rendered useless. And God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be eaten. He wants you to be picked. He wants your life to be something that brings nourishment and health to everybody else's life around you. So God doesn't want you to perish. This also means that we won't be saved. And when Jesus returns, or if we die prematurely, which I don't want any of you to do, it means that an eternal life with him in heaven is not possible. It means we rejected. Okay, so the opposite of receiving is rejecting. All right, you guys understand that? So you have to receive and believe, and you have to learn what it means to stay in the pocket of his love and never give up all the days of your life. Okay? To believe is to become. Let's say that together. To believe is to become. Say this with me. Say, to believe is also to receive. Okay, so you've got to believe and receive, and we're believing in his name. This is a powerful statement, to believe in his name, because who is he? His name is God, Father, Yeshua, Messiah, Savior, Deliverer, Protector, Healer. I believe in all the aspects and characteristics of who he says he is, and my natural circumstances don't dictate it. The White House does not dictate how I live my life. The economy does not dictate. My circumstances don't dictate. What dictates is the Holy Spirit in me and the confidence of my identity as a son at all times. You guys hear that? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Let me rephrase it for you. This is so insanely, incredibly awesome. This is the most incredible thing you could ever know. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed. You know what it means to be bestowed? It means to be conferred, to be honored, and to be gifted. God gifted you with this kind of love that he would call you a child of God. Now when you used to be called something else, now when you used to be labeled by the things of this world, Whatever title you gave yourself or somebody else gave to you, now you get a new name. It's called son or daughter. You see, for me, I used to be called a felon, but I'm not anymore. Literally. I can buy a firearm. You know why? My record has been expunged. And now, what, when I used to be an ex-felon or an ex-convict, now I'm a son that has full right in the kingdom and even on earth. God fully wipes away all your old labels, failures, mistakes, and calls you something new. And that something is a son or a daughter. You've got to see this is how much the Lord loves you. What incredible, supernatural, awesome love that he has given to each one of you that he would call you a child of God. 
My friend Keith is having dreams and visions and the Lord is speaking to him and saying, well done, my good and faithful son. Because when you used to see yourself as a servant, when you used to always say, man, what can I do for God? God says, I did for you, become a son, so that when you learn to serve and work, you don't find your identity and get your self-esteem needs met by what you do. Let me give you an example. In the kingdom of God, when you work from your identity as a son or a daughter, you find your value in who you are, not what you do. Everybody say this together with me. Say, I'm not what I do. I do what I am. Here's the example. Pastor is what I do. It's not who I am. So I don't find my value in pastoring because I'm naturally being who I'm called to be as a father and a son. I don't care if you call me pastor or not. Now, I grew up always learning to honor pastors. If somebody's a pastor, my, I always call them pastor, whether I like them or not, okay? Whether I thought they should be in that place or not. I've always been respectful, but I don't care if you call me Pastor David. You can call me David. What's up, David? But some people have very real issues with pastors and titles and don't have respect. And I've got some people that are like, hey, brother. They say to Marlene, she's a pastor. Hey, sister. Are we brothers and sisters? Sure. Do we, are we in a family together? You bet. But when God confers responsibility and authority into people's lives, we honor and serve and submit and respect that. That's how I got into this position for over 13 years in one church, serving and loving and giving my life to somebody else's vision. Actually, multiple pastors. And the point is, is I can tell when some people, like, what's up, David? We got a problem. Now, you know what? I don't really correct them. You know why? Because I just kind of don't really care. It is what it is. I'm going to love you so well that you're going to see. I'm confident in who I, who I am, but I don't have to dominate people. I'm not in this for the money or anything else. I love you. Do you understand that? You know why I love you? Because he first loved me. And I can't not give away to single, single mothers and single fathers and parents. I can't not give my life away to you. I would be selfish and a hypocrite if I didn't give to you what the Lord has given to me. You do the same. Any gift, any career, whatever you become, whatever you have, God gives it to you to give away to somebody else. You give it to your children and you give it to God's children. And so for me, I learned to love people no matter what because of who I am. I'm so secure and confident in who I am, you can't rock me. Now I don't care if I preach good or not. Now, I don't care if it, I, I'm not going to be good sometimes. You know what? I can't live in being good. Stop living and being good. Stop trying to come in and, you know, measure me up or the church. Just let's be family and love well and stop worrying about what other people think about you. Amen? Here's why. Because if you don't get this revelation, you'll always be trying to measure up and perform for other people. You'll never feel good enough. You won't feel valued. You'll always be worried about what somebody thinks about you. You know a telltale sign of understanding your identity? How you worship. I love you, but I'm telling you right now, when you understand what you've been forgiven and who you are as a son or daughter, you don't shrink back from running to the Father's arms. And listen, I don't worship extravagantly because I have it all together. 
I worship extravagantly because I'm a man in need. And anytime I mess up or screw up or fail or feel less than, guess what I do? I run to his arms, not run away from him. You know why? Because I have an accurate view of who he really is. But if you don't have sonship, your view of who God is will be more of a slave master than father son. And some of us are living like slaves serving a master. Never good enough. I had a good day. I had a bad day. I measured up today. I didn't measure up yesterday. God's mad at me. Man, I screwed it up. Now I'm going to pay a price. And oh my gosh, my car's going to wreck. My finances are going to go in the toilet. We start living in massive amounts of fear. But let's say this together. God has not given me. Come on, say it. God has not given me a spirit of fear, which fears the spirit. Let's say it again. Fears the spirit. Say it again, fear is the spirit. Next time you fall in fear, see, orphans are afraid. Good, you're doing so good. I'm so proud. She's ready to follow all my words. Just repeat my whole message right after me. You guys ready? I'm going to tell you something so black and white, I can't say any better. Fear is the spirit. Orphans live in fear. Sons live in freedom, trust, peace, and rest. So, when you get adopted, when you get rescued, when you get delivered, now you get a different spirit. It's a spirit. Let's everybody say this. God has given me a new spirit. It's full of power. It's full of love. And it helps me to think straight at all times. (laughs) This is sonship, everybody. This isn't religious performance. You will have the best life when you get free of what everybody else thinks about you. I can't worry about who's going to stay and not stay. I hope you all stay and keep coming back. Be spirit-led. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to like me. Just be who you're called to be and stay rested in that. You can do it. I'm going to teach it to you. The Bible teaches, the Holy Spirit teaches it to you. All right? So, let's pull that scripture back up. What manner of love the Father, this is like an incredible statement. The Father's bestowed on us that you should be called the, uh, the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. When you used to be called something or they labeled you, and they'll still label you, that's because they don't know you. You don't know me. My, you know, one of the hardest parts when you get born again is your family that's not born again. That's one of the most difficult things. You know why? Because they always see you for who you used to be. They don't understand transformation. They don't know you. But you know who knows you? Your family in the kingdom of God. Because now you get a new family. And so I got a newsflash for you. Could you imagine if my wife and I got into a big argument tonight and I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to one of y'all's favorite watering hole and I'm going to sit and just get blasted.
I can't think of any watering hole because I don't go to them. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Your little corner bar your, you, where you think you're going to hide out. Imagine if I went to hide out and I just started doing shots. Could you, could you imagine that? I would be so lonely and I'd be more lonely and isolated ever trying to find comfort in that place because it's not who I am and they don't know me. See, the world's not going to know you. Do you influence the world? Yes. Do you, do, should people want to know what's inside of you? You bet. But stop worrying about what the world thinks. Stop worrying about what all your old friends used to think. Stop worrying about what your employers and your coworkers think. It doesn't matter anymore. It's a new you. You are a new creation. You're not who you used to be. Now I'm secure in my identity. And guess what? If they didn't know Jesus, here's the scripture. I got a newsflash for you. When the world tried to scoop up Mark and make him famous and popular and rush him off to Nashville and use him for his gift, they didn't care about Mark. They cared about Mark's gift. They didn't know him. See, I know him. He's my brother. He's my friend. And now that he came into the family, I don't care who he used to be because that label of adulterer is broken and no more. Woo! Yeah! You, you stop living in who you used to be. I don't see any of that in you. Layton used to be a drug addict. Now he's the son. Brandon used to be a drug addict. He's a son. I'm all for AA and NA meetings, and I think if you're battling addiction and in recovery, you should go to as many as you can. But I don't believe once an addict, always an addict. I just want you to know that. Make sure you hear me clearly. You need support. You need community. You should be at church every time doors open. You should be at all those meetings. You should immerse yourself. But I'm going to make it crystal clear. You are not always an addict. You become a new creation. I used to be an addict. Now I'm no longer. Bam! Pow! Now I'm called something new, so every other label and identity fails in comparison. I used to have a lot of nicknames. You know what my final nickname was? I probably haven't told this story in a long time. Prepare yourself. You know who I used to be called in the world? Dave TV. All Dave, all night. It came from David Lee Ross' video of Just a Gigolo. Because I used to be a gigolo. But I'm not anymore. Bam! Make sure you cut that and put that on Instagram, Andres. No, I'm serious. It's funny. But it's the truth. My wife's cracking up. The things she learns in my preaching. We won't tell you what my first nickname was. Why do I just want to tell it to you right now? It was Supplier Dave. Because I used to have a coat that had everything you ever needed for your drug addiction. Pipes, hemostats, matches, lighters. I was Johnny on the spot all the time with drugs and alcohol. That was my old me. 
Now I'm redeemed and I'm a son. Yeah, come on. See, I love telling my story. I have no shame in my story. Now I'm Pastor David. Hey, supplying spiritual needs. And I will ignite. I got a Holy Ghost lighter right now in my pocket. I'm going to ignite you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, light you up. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. I, I, was, I didn't get to preach this last service. I couldn't wait to teach this to you. Galatians 3, 26 says, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So what makes you a son? Everybody say, faith in Jesus. Faith is not an I hope so, it's an I know so. So when I'm battling sickness or asthma symptoms, or I'm praying for somebody in the hospital, whatever it is, I walk in confidence, not maybes, not probably nots, or what ifs. Do I know that sometimes things don't always go the way I think? Yes. I'm not living in la-la land. I'm living in confident faith at all times, okay? Because I am a son. Because I'm a son. And I have faith, and I want you to walk in faith. You live your life by faith. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Here's the, here's the greatest lie of the devil. God doesn't care about you. He's not talking to you. If you ever say to yourself, why isn't God talking to me? He's so silent. God doesn't, do I want, I don't ever give my child the silent treatment. Ever. Now, sometimes God will be silent because he wants you to take the steps to seek him out. The scripture says it's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings and priests to seek to search it out. I know some of you want it so bad, but it's, you got to pay the price to get it. You dig for gold. You dig deep to the rock. You get in the secret place. You pray. You worship. You go read your Bible. You go get under the bridge. You go walk the beach. You get in your closet. I can't pay that price for you. And some of you want all the benefits, but you don't want to pay the price. You want the insurance policy, but you don't want to pay the premium. You understand? Everybody's got to pay the price. And the price even though Jesus paid and gave you everything on the cross, here's the price. I surrender all, Lord. I'm coming after you. I'm running into your arms. I'm living my life by complete faith and surrender to you in fidelity. Next verse. Verse 27. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. 38 people got baptized here last Sunday. The best baptism we've ever had, in my opinion. I have probably baptized, I'm going to guess a thousand people since I moved to town about 13 years ago, a thousand. If I were to add up every single one, you got about 75 to 100 a year for that many years with two baptisms a year. And when you get baptized, something should happen to you. Do you know what it means to put on Christ? Well, I'm going to teach it to you. To put on is the exact word that Jesus used in Luke 24, 49, when he said, wait in Jerusalem 
until you are endued with power from the Most High. To be endued means to put on. It means the soaking into a garment. So now you get immersed and soaked in water and you come up in the newness of life and now it means to be clothed. It's like changing my shirt. You're getting new clothes. But it's more than just an external appearance. It's a heart change. So you put, you're endued, soaked in with a new nature when you get baptized. So if you've been baptized, you're walking, and most of this church should be baptized. And if you haven't, we're going to do it again because it's biblically commanded. And now that we have an awesome system in the church, I expect we'll start having a lot more baptisms instead of twice a year. So when you get baptized, you put on Christ. And I love 28, verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's not Mexican or Japanese. There's not American and Cuban. In the kingdom of God, there's not slave or free. There's not male nor female. We are all one. Everybody say, we are all one in Christ Jesus. What that means is, is that means that your skin color, how much money you make, the clothes you wear, your background, your gender, your social status, all of those in the kingdom of God don't matter now. We're all equal. If you're white and you hook up with a black boy or girl, I'm all for it. I don't care. We're all one. I'm not looking at skin colors and races, and I'm looking at in Christ as a family, period. You understand? Now, I love ethnicities. I love races. I love cultures. I'm all about that. And God has made everybody uniquely them. But in Christ Jesus, we all become one. There are many times I follow my wife's leading. Many times. When my wife wanted to name our son Zion, I was like, I don't think so. And for two months, she kept saying, hey, I really feel like the name's supposed to be Zion. I'm like, <clears throat> I, don't, I think that's a little too strong of a Jewish name. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I hadn't thought about that. I kept hem, hem-hawing around about it. And she finally said after two months, she said, listen, you need to make up your mind because I know his name's supposed to be Zion. I was driving to church, stopped at the red light at Ennis Jocelyn and SBID, and the Lord says, don't you see what's happening? I said, I don't have a clue, Lord. He said, do you see how your bride is longing to name your son Zion just like my bride is longing for Mount Zion. And I went, he said, your lineage is going to be a fulfillment of the promise to the kingdom of God. Name your son Zion. And I said, okay, I got it, Lord. But my wife had it for two months before me. There are many, many times my wife is like, I know that I know that I know. And most of the time, she's right, but not all the time. I just want to clarify that. She thinks she's right all the time. <laughs> yeah, she's, there was that one time. Yeah, right. Verse 29, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know what it means to be an heir? Everybody say, I'm an heir. To be an heir means you're legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's death, receiving an allotted possession by right of sonship. I am set to inherit some property one day when my father passes away, my stepfather. I hope it, it, 
it's a long, long, long time from now. But, it, but I'm set to receive about 160 acres of property in Kansas with mineral rights. Okay? Now I hope that's my dad lives to 100. Imagine if I said to you, <clears throat> Janelle, would you like to have a portion or share in all the benefits of my property in Kansas? I'm going to give it to you. Imagine if I said everything that I'm set to, some of you have inheritances coming or will leave for your children. Imagine if you added a few people to your inheritance or you gave away what God gives to you. That's what Jesus did. He gave away what was given to him. The Father made us joint heirs with Christ. I'm going to show that to you. Now, every benefit that's been given to Jesus is given to you. Guys, I'm teaching you the most incredible revelation you'll ever get. You will not get a better revelation than this. I don't care if he shows you how he made a planet. I don't care if you get the greatest scientific breakthrough to heal the worst disease. I'm teaching you the all-time greatest mystery and revelation you can ever get. And I'm so secure and confident in that. And if I, I have a pet peeve when people say, well, this is the greatest thing you'll ever know. Or there's only one thing, or this is the truth to that. I'm telling you, everything starts with identity and sonship. Everything. And until you know who you are as a son, you will live your life as an orphan with the skewed view of the Heavenly Father. Okay? So, you're heirs. Everybody say, I'm an heir. According to the promise. We're Abraham's seed. So what's the promise? Well, there were a lot of covenantal promises made to Abraham. Let me give you my favorite one. My favorite covenantal promise made to Abraham was, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Can I tell you something about that revelation? It means that because of who God made me to be, every nation, tribe, and tongue, and everybody that comes around me will receive a blessing. If you, if you stay at this church, not everybody's going to be called here. But if you get called here and stay here, your life will flip. Just by coming here. I promise you. I've been doing this a long time. It's not a ploy to get anybody to stay. If you will believe like I taught you, receive like I taught you, walk by faith like I taught you, and walk in your identity as the son or daughter, you, your life will change for the better. Will you have adversity, spiritual warfare, hardship? Do I need to teach you how to bust up some demons? Do I need to teach you to be alert and observant? Do we need to break sin out of our life? All those things. But I'm telling you, if you will adhere to this truth and become the right to become, you will never live the same. You won't be a workaholic. You won't be afraid of finances. You won't be afraid of getting evicted. You will trust God for your next car. You'll trust God for your next home. You'll trust God for a promotion. You'll trust God for a better job. You'll trust God to get over that addiction. You'll trust God for new friends and family. You will live totally different by faith than you lived before because you're, a fam you're in the family as a son or daughter. The promise is all the nations of the earth are blessed in Abraham. So I become a promise. Everybody say, I become a promise. A promise to Abraham, but guess what else I become a promise to? Everybody around me. That's not prideful. That's not arrogance and haughtiness. 
That's not cockiness. You know what that is? Confidence in my identity. Live that way. Live that way. You hear me? Live that way. Live that way. Stop walking in religious performance and duty. This is a relationship with a father that loves you. You are a son and a daughter. You break off the entanglements of sin that have so easily bound you up, walk the process out, put it in your past, covered in the blood, walk in your identity of who you are, lift your head up high, and start being the head and not the tail. Be erect in your stature. Walk in stature and wisdom just like Jesus grew for the first 30 years of his life. He learned to become upright in his identity. So at 12, he discovered he had another daddy. He's in the temple. He discovers he's got another daddy. Jesus didn't always know who he was. You think he was three, two, and had it all figured out? Somebody had to change Jesus' diaper. You know that, right? He still had to learn to walk. He had to learn to talk. And his whole life he'd been hearing in the, in the temple and the synagogues about himself. And at 12, he go, he's sitting there, and his parents, they were so checked out, they were gone three days. My, Amber still says, I, that's so jacked. They were so jacked. I don't understand how Mary and Joseph and their whole entourage could leave Jesus for three days. And Jesus is hearing all about himself, and then he starts asking them questions. And then Mary shows up and says, son, what's a, I'll paraphrase, what is the matter with you? Don't you know your father's been looking for you this whole time? And he says, didn't you know I must be about my, because he realized, wait a minute, I heard my mom was a virgin when I was born. My daddy's name is Joseph. Wait a minute. I was born in Bethlehem. And my name, Yeshua, is the promised name of the Messiah. So for another 18 years, he would, we don't know anything about Jesus except he would grow in wisdom and stature. And at 30, he'd spring on the scene. And the first thing that Jesus did when he sprung on the scene, everybody, the first thing, everybody say the first thing, was he would get baptized. And when he got, came out of the water, he didn't do one thing. There's been no miracles, nothing. When he came out of the water, he heard his father's voice say out loud for everyone to hear, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved Mariah, daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Now. She doesn't have to measure up anymore. She's not done. Let's say she's not ever done it. She's done a few things, but say she's, this is my beloved Stephanie, in whom I'm well pleased right now. Not if she works harder, measures up, does more. I'm put, he puts the label of identity on you the day you get born again, Brandon. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't perform for it. You don't measure up for it. It's in his perfect love he comes after you because he called you his daughter, period. Everybody say, period. period. 
And we live in a religious world of duty and measuring up and performance. Stop. Become a son or daughter. There's no greater revelation. There's no greater revelation. Galatians 4, 1 through 6, an heir, everybody say, I'm an heir. As, now, he, Paul's talking about in the natural, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. Here's what that means. You don't get your inheritance until an appointed time by the father. And so, <clears throat> in the natural, a child would still have to work just as the slaves would have to work but it's under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage to the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the Spirit into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you're no longer a slave, but a son. Let's have the worship team come up. You're no longer a slave. Everybody say, I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a son. And if you're a son, you're an heir of God. Everybody say, I'm an heir of God through Christ. I'll sum it up for you. Everyone is in bondage to the elements of this world prior to being born again. It's the result of the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death was a tutor, a steward, and a guardian until you became born again. Now you have lordship. You don't break God's laws, they break you. Which Can you sin and be a lawbreaker? In a sense, yes. But who breaks who? The tutor or the uh, apprentice or the student, the tutor. You understand that? My son doesn't break me. I'm not out to break him, but I'm not, my son's not leading me. He's five, about to be five, right? He's under my stewardship and my guardianship, but he's still got to get born again. And God has an appointed time. Everybody say there's an appointed time. There was an appointed time or the fullness of time for all of humanity to experience or receive Jesus, but there's an appointed time for you, to, for him to redeem you, rescue, deliver you, adopt you, and put a new identity of sonship on you. Not only was Jesus sent forth, now God sends forth his spirit into your heart so that you can actually cry out. I want you to notice the scripture, what it says. He sends forth the spirit of his son into your heart so that you can do what? Have a daddy. Okay, what's your last name? What's your first name? Imagine if I said, Cassie, take my car keys. Here, drive my car. You know what? Come over to my house later. Make yourself at home. Don't even ring, knock on the door. Just come in, and if you need food, bring your family. Come in. Everything I have is yours. And even though your last name's Hunter, I'm going to treat you like a Bendette. You, anything I have, you can have. So now whenever, Cassie, if you fall in fear or worry or lies, you can cry out. In a natural sense, it'd be like this. I'll use Leighton now. Leighton has my phone number. Raman has my phone. A lot of people have my phone number. If you get into an emergency situation, call, cry out. Call me. Cry out doesn't necessarily mean I'm screaming, oh, daddy. It means that from the depth inside of me, I have somebody to go to at all times when I'm in need. And I have access. Because it's not based on my performance. 
Even when you bomb it or blow it, or if you've been living in sin or you blew it last night, guess what you can do right now? I just grow and shift it. I'm not crying out for mercy in the blood of Jesus to wash my addiction away from last night because I've been free of that. But I do bomb it or make mistakes or if I don't treat my wife appropriately or if I didn't do something God said, I always have access to cry out now because the Spirit of God's in me. He's in you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You can cry out. Abba, meaning he puts his name and his stamp on you now you're no longer an orphan. You're a son and a part of the family. This is probably my, there's two of my favorite scriptures. Romans 8, 15 through 17. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say, I've been adopted. So you can cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. How do I know I'm a child of God? I got something telling me. I have someone telling me, so I don't have to guess it anymore. The Spirit bears witness in your spirit of who you are. So when somebody tries to lie to me, somebody's going to diss this church, diss our conference, diss the prophetic, diss casting out demons, diss praying in tongue. Somebody's going to speak negative about me and about you. I don't care because, number one, the world doesn't know me. Number two, I am a son. I have a new identity, and now... The Holy Spirit's confirming who I am. I'm an heir. Everybody say, I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir with Christ. The key is if you suffer with him, you'll glorify with him. You got to suffer with him. You got to suffer with him. You got to suffer with him. You know what it means to suffer with him? Somebody's going to lie about you, slander you, call you Bible thumper. That's what they call Janelle. They're going to give you, they're going to say, oh, you go to that church. Oh, you do. Somebody's, I guarantee you, if you stay on fire for Jesus, you will be persecuted. But if you take your stand and take your stand against the devil, against sin, against the lies, guess what you get? Everybody say, I get glorified. You know what it means to be glorified? I take on his nature, his identity, his char character. Now I start radiating his presence and his power everywhere I go. Final scripture. Luke 12, 32. Jesus says, don't be afraid. My little flock, it's the Father's good pleasure. Everybody say it's his good pleasure to give the kingdom of God to me. Oh, you don't deserve it. Oh, you're not good enough. Did he say it's with all these conditions? You got to get into the flock by saying yes, but what do you get? The kingdom of God. This was sung over me, my very first prophecy, when I burned all my Grateful Dead paraphernalia, all my drugs, all my crystals, all my tie-dyes. That night, I received a prophetic word from a prophetess who sang this scripture over me, and I didn't even think about y'all. I thought it was all for me. I thought I'm the only one getting the king. That's how, how proud I was, because I realized I was his favorite. Now everybody say this to me. Say, I am his favorite. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. Guess what he wants to give you, Melody? He wants to give the kingdom of God to you. That is powerful. Come here, Mark. This guy did not like me or this church when he first came here. But he's going to tell you what happened to him. He's, he's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I came to this church. I, I was pretty, pretty, 
fallen away, broken, far from the Lord. I, at one point in my life, I was a creative arts pastor for a very large church, which I still think they're doing amazing things. This is not, a, if you know me from that place, just know this is not a negative thing towards them. This is where I lost who I was. And uh, in that place, I began to put, put other things um, with, with more importance than what um, was the most important, which was my identity. And I see that we wrestle with that a lot, you know. Um, who, what can I be? Who can, you know, we, we do it in church. We do it in the marketplace. We do it everywhere. Uh, we want to we know who are we, you know, who are we? Um, and I think the better question is who, whose are you? Uh, you're, you're God's. And one of the biggest revelations I had when I would come, and uh, Pastor Dave was up here talking, and he was talking about this fatherhood and sonship and identity, and, and he just kept talking about that. And it's where I learned about another word called manifesting, because um, I would manifest every week, and I hated this church. And I came because my ex-wife and her husband were coming here, and uh, uh, and, and and they were bringing my ki- my kids were here, and they're performing and doing stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just show up for that. And I hated church, by the way, at the time. And every time I came, Pastor Dave would keep preaching. I'm like, please shut up, stop talking about this stuff. And it was it was some of you guys may be there right now. I just want you to know, I I was there. It's hard, and 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 the message that's coming out of this house. Um, guys, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's a, it's a real testimony to what the gospel says. And it's like, when I got hold of who I was and and, and what God wanted to do, when I understood that I was a son, I'm not a musician. I'm not, those are what I get to do, right? Like the Lord gave me that gift and that's fine. And I love it. It's cool. But I don't care about that. I just care about being a son and being in my, with my father. And, and, and there's something that comes out of that. Pastor, you're preaching about where Jesus says in Jerusalem, you know, wait, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. The word Jerusalem actually means peace. And Jesus is cool, man. He would say stuff and like, you got to dig in because he's all, he's, he's, he, every word Jesus said, I hang on. Like even the thee and thou's, like it means something when he said it. Jesus, was, he's actually saying, wait in peace. And, 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 and he's talking about the city of Jerusalem, but it actually means peace. And so to understand that peace can only come from understanding your, your real identity. So if, you, if you're an employee and you work for a great company, you're not an employee. You're a son or you're a daughter who gets to be the employee. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're wanting to be in ministry, oh, I just, Prophet Kevin said, I'm going to be a pastor. And that's fantastic. Listen, last time Prophet Kevin came, two or three times ago, Prophet Kevin rocked my world. And it was amazing. And he came, not this last time, but the time before, he goes, how are you? You know, how are you doing? He just kind of grabbed me in the back when we were in production. And I said, I'm doing great. And he goes, where, where do you see yourself in the fivefold ministry? And I didn't really even know what fivefold, I, I know what it means now, but I didn't grasp it. I was like, I don't know, I'm just a son. <laughs> I don't know which one I am. And, and he goes, good, now you can get started. And so, and so that's, it, it's, it's about that, guys. It's not about what we get out of the kingdom. Uh, it's what the, what the Father wants to give us. You can't, you can't get anything out of this. It's what he's going to give you. He's already given you. It's already there. Unfortunately, in our minds, you know, on Father's Day, I want to go there because I don't know my dad. I, I know him. I probably hung out with him maybe seven, eight times in my whole life. Um, and, and, and I used to replay this thing in my head and recycle this thought like, oh, I don't have a dad. It's so painful. It's, and I know a lot of us are struggling with that today. Um, I know many young men and older men and women are struggling with that thought today. A disconnect from the Father, but I'm telling you, it's already been given to you. God the Father is the real Father. Look, people on this earth are going to let you down, and they're going to have troubles, but sonship and identity and understanding who you are, you can overcome any of that. 
This isn't a self-help, get, get well speech. I'm telling you right now, sonship. Sonship. Start with that. Start with that. I don't care if you can cast out demons and prophesy and do all that. If you don't know who you are, you're missing it. If you don't know who you are, you're missing it. And so I'm no, I'm no one special in that way. I'm special to my father. And that's all I care about is that, that when I get to sing and I get to do things and hang out with my kids that my father loves me. And there's peace in that, guys. You know, we're no longer slaves to what, what we, we once were slaves. You can be set free. There's freedom, but it starts with the knowledge, with the, with the surrendering of, of striving and, and, and being ambitious and thinking that somehow I'm going to get over on my brother and I'm going to push farther and I'm going to be someone. I'm going to be Gary, the next Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm going to hustle and I'm going to entrepreneur, entrepreneur my way into that. You can't do that. You want to get ahead? Go low. You want to move fast? Slow down. You want to be healthy? Rest in the presence of your Father. And that's what the, that's, I'm forever, forever grateful. Um, Pastor David, who has, the, mess, who has the, the, the courage to not care what anybody thinks and, and, and never gave up on me when I told him I, I don't like him or this church. Just keep coming. If you're there right now and you feel that tension, that struggle, just know that you can be free from that. This isn't a get, get well, like five steps to a new you. It's none of that stuff, guys. There's literally only one step, knowing who you are. That's what it's about. Thank you, Mark. Let's all stand. <clears throat> In this last immediate season, God has been reminding me of this scripture. Psalm 16.5. I love this. If you have been fatherless, if you've been feeling abandoned or as an orphan, listen to this scripture, Psalm 16, verse 5. Why don't we say it together? Say, O oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Verse 6. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. I have a good inheritance. 